Now, back to the Frontier Freedom Hour with Jeff Hunt, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Here's Jeff Hunt. Friends, happy Holy Week to you all. This is a great week to celebrate. And joining me in studio is Dr. David Cotter, the Dean of the School of Theology and Professor of New Testament Studies at Colorado Christian University. And you may be thinking, this is a public policy radio program. We're talking about Easter. Yes, we are, because we believe that the solution to our challenges in this nation are not political. They are spiritual. We are facing a real spiritual battle. And I hope that during the next few segments, you'll be blessed to really understand what happened on Calvary, at the cross, and most importantly, the resurrection, um, because without that, none of this other stuff would have mattered. So, uh, Dean Cotter, couldn't God have just waved a magic wand and said, you know what, sin's forgiven, um, and uh, just be better people. I sure wish that were the case, Jeff. Yeah, I, I didn't write the Bible. I wasn't consulted when the Bible was written. And if I have something in me, I'd love to see it a lot easier than this. But God is clear that he is both infinitely loving but also infinitely just. And I— I love the infinitely loving part. It scares me when I think about the infinitely just part, except when I think about genocides in Rwanda, except when I think about the Ukraine being invaded. There's something in my heart against persons that I know have been attacked and assaulted that I do want justice. And so God is going to guarantee infinite justice for every offense in the world, every sin in the world. And so his challenge is, how do you forgive people and bring to justice those who deserve it? And that's where we get to the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the point where his justice and his love meets. And how does that happen? Well, in uh, the 26th chapter of Matthew, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he goes and prays, Father, if it's possible, let this cup, he's talking about his crucifixion, let this cup pass from me. Mm. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And at that point, I, this is speaking as Dave Cotter and my sinful self, wish that God the Father had answered and said, oh yeah, you're right, Buddha is coming in about 600 years, and Muhammad is on the way in about 300 years, and oh, we got Confucius over in China. There's lots of ways, mm. but in, the answer is, There is no other way Mm. except Jesus Christ. So he was fully God and fully human. So he felt the same way we do. He he was tempted the way we do, but he never sinned in anything he ever thought, anything he ever said, or anything he ever did. And so he lived a perfect life and could have gone to God the Father and said, punish them because I've proven it's possible to be a human being and never sin. So Mm. punish everyone else. But here's the amazing thing about Christianity. He didn't do that. Instead, the son of the king said, I will die in the place of the rebels. I'll take their place, execute the justice they deserve on me, and give the mercy that I deserve to them. That's what's happening at the cross of Christ. And so maybe you've seen The Passion of the Christ. The sequel of that is coming out. And uh, just the vividness of that is very powerful. 
But what we see in, in Matthew as he's, Jesus is being crucified, it says Matthew 27, 45, he says, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And, and so even though Jesus has gone through a Roman torture, he's nailed to the cross, he's not cried out yet, okay? It's this point when the darkness comes over the land. What's happening there? In the Old Testament, God is always portrayed as light. So in, in the desert, in the wilderness, he's a pillar of fire, even at night. In the tabernacle, there's a brightness. Moses' face shines when he comes. In the temple with Solomon, it's so bright the priests can't go in. God is described by John in 1 John as God is light. There's no darkness in him at all. So this point in Matthew 27, 45 is where God the Father has put our sins, the sins of all those who trust in Jesus, on him. And he's never experienced sin in his whole life. He's never experienced shame. So I'm sure your listeners can think of something they're ashamed ashamed of that they don't want anyone to know. Jesus is now feeling that for the first time in his life. And the father who cannot countenance sin, all of this sin, is now turning his face away and darkness covers the land. Because again, the sixth hour, that's noon to three. This is not a natural phenomena. This is a, a supernatural phenomena. And at that point, Jesus cries out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's where he's bearing all of our sins and all the punishment we deserve. And that's where he gives up his spirit on the cross. So the punishment is paid so that we can receive the mercy that Jesus deserves. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's great. Uh, you can see why students wanted to sit in that classroom for a few hours and listen to that. And once again, so, I could take you to the place. This is a real place, and I are right? This is a time-space yeah. place in right. on the, the western side of the ancient city of Jerusalem. And just talk a little bit about that because, you know, a lot of people say, well, this was thousands of years ago. It can't possibly be that accurate, right? People got wrong. They they got the stories wrong. Yeah, right. But there's is, a lot of evidence, and Lee Strobel and the apologetics program at absolutely. CCU talk about this. So right? in the old city, there I can take you to the tombs. There's a, a first century cemetery. The tombs are still there. It's covered by what's now the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. But if you know, you can go underneath it and, and see this. Um, very early on, pilgrims would go there and leave graffiti, Lord, we've come, or carve little mm-hmm. crosses so that in this first century Jewish graveyard, it's not the one on the left, it's not the one on the right. The early pilgrims have marked what they thought. And in fact, Emperor Hadrian um, accepted that and in fact desecrated that very tomb with a statue of Venus and made it into a pagan temple so that uh, Christian pilgrims wouldn't go there anymore. And so later under Constantine in the early 300s, we're grateful that that spot was marked and desecrated so that uh, Constantine could then remove that. And that's where the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is built to this day. So we hear this story, this news. How does that affect me? I mean, so you're talking about my sin being paid for, but I still have sin. Yeah, I, I still disobey. So how did that I- a moment right there actually affect my life? So uh, the apostle Peter, who 
who was an eyewitness to this resurrection that we're going to talk to here about in a minute, he, he wrote in First uh, Peter 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ mm. from the dead. So that today, here in the studio, here where your listeners are, your living hope is based on this resurrection. And it's life-changing. Absolutely. So when I accepted Christ, my entire, I've, I honestly, I felt like my heart was taken out, this old, ratted, t- tatty, dark, evil heart mm. was replaced with one of joy and light and love. And it, it, all of a sudden, the Bible made sense. I've often talked about this. I would try to read the Bible prior to, be, prior to being a Christian. You're like, I don't I don't get this. <laughs> like it's full of um, it's full of genealogies and stuff like that. And now it felt like a roadmap, like a guide. And I felt like the Holy Spirit came into my life, and then I could understand what God was trying to do in this world. Like none of that made sense to me. So through Christ's sacrifice, you can be reborn. And and this is a real rebirth. Obviously, you're not reborn in the sense of you know, being born from your mother again, but it's like a whole new life that you get. And then you get this helper called Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit that comes into your life and guides you. And all of a sudden I didn't need people to be like, well, you probably shouldn't be cussing anymore. I, I, I just didn't want to curse. Or you probably shouldn't be chasing after girls, young high school, Jeff. Uh, I, I, I felt like I was going to have a wife at one point and I needed to be a good husband and practice that marriage now even ahead of time in holiness, you know? So it, you're right. It's a rebirth, a, re, a renewal, a new life that comes through the resurrection, and then uh, your entire life can change. Um, I don't want to dive into it right now, but I want to give people a little bit of a preview. So the cross takes place and Christ dies, but that's not the end of the story, right? There's more, and, and why is the resurrection so—I'm going to get to it. We're, we're like less than two minutes. We're talking with da- Dr. David Cotter, the dean of the School of Theology and the professor of New Testament Studies at Colorado Christian University. But I'm going to ask him why the resurrection is so important. So people this weekend, they've gone through maybe a Good Friday service. We'll have one at our church. That's important. Oftentimes those services end in darkness to kind of symbol- symbolize, as you mentioned, God turning away. But then there's all this celebration on Sunday, and it doesn't have a lot to do with Easter bunnies or eggs. There's a lot more at stake on this Sunday resurrection, and I'm going to talk with one of the most brilliant minds at Colorado Christian University about this when we come back. Friends, you're listening to the Frontier Freedom Hour, sponsored by the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University, and I want to encourage you. Be a part of some of the work that we're doing at CCU. You can go to ccu.edu and just look around. No, no, You don't have to sign up for anything. No one's going to pressure you. But if you either have children or grandchildren that are at that right age looking for a college, this is a great opportunity for them. And if you're an adult learner, you're, you're looking for a degree to, that's going to open up a new chapter for your life ccu.edu 200 degree programs students from all over the country being trained up in a christian conservative worldview we're going to continue this conversation on this very special holiday weekend this holy week when we come back 
You're listening to the Frontier Freedom Hour, sponsored by the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. <laughs> 